As Doug mentioned as he read the passage from Deuteronomy 6, the Shema, we've been in a series talking about what it means to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. And we're doing this because we want to be a community that is continually growing in our love for Christ, continuing to appreciate anew God's deep love for us, to grow in accepting and growing in our identity as God's beloved children, to grow in loving God with passion and loving others with compassion. And so over the last month, we've talked about how we grow in loving God with our mind. And our last gathering, Doug talked about how we grow in loving God with our soul. And you're welcome to check those out. I'd love to recap them now, but for the sake of time, if you haven't heard them or if you want to listen to them again, they're on our website. I encourage you to do that. We've gotten some really great feedback about things that are stirring in people about how they love God with their minds and their souls. And this morning, we're going to continue this series, and we're going to take time to consider what does it mean to love God with all our strength? And Tim Weaver wanted to make sure that I mentioned that the setup team was here early this morning, loving God with their strength, setting up all of this lovely equipment. And our visitors have mentioned that they're willing to love God with their strength, with helping us with teardown, so that's awesome. Uh, but we're going to dig in to what does it mean to love God with our strength. And for anyone who may remember the power team, you know these uh, buffed up uh, bodybuilders who tore phone books and bent metal bars and broke cinder blocks, all for the name of and for the sake of Jesus. Uh, I hope that you're not disappointed. They're not going to be here this morning. Sorry. I did do a few extra push-ups and sit-ups, so I think I'm ready to go. Um, but yeah, what does it mean to love God with all our strength? And I think that while loving God with all our strength doesn't mean that we need to be these bodybuilders or avid weightlifters, it does draw us to the reality that God cares deeply about us as physical beings. We may be tempted to fall into this false dualistic notion that God cares about our souls but is not so concerned with our bodies. But God created us as physical beings and the incarnation of Christ, that God would take on human flesh, affirms that intended original goodness of our physical bodies. And certainly Jesus' ministry of healing and providing food provides further evidence and assurance that God does indeed care about our physical well-being, that God loves our bodies. And we've talked about this love commandment that it's very holistic, heart, soul, mind, body. God cares about all of our being, and God wants our total holistic devotion to him in love. And as I've been studying about this word strength, I've actually come to realize that that in itself is actually a pretty holistic idea. Many things might come to mind with our English understanding of strength, but what I came to find out is that from the Hebrew, we've had all these different translations about what it might mean. And I'm going to get back to the original Hebrew word later. But in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, called the Septuagint, 
The Greek word that they use to translate that text is actually the word that we use for power. It's a word that is often translated as power. Dunamis, uh, from which we actually derive our English word dynamite. So you can think of what power is involved there. So that's interesting. And then I found out that the Aramaic text, you know, Aramaic is the language that Jesus spoke and was the common language of that day among Hebrew people. And so they have these Aramaic translations of the Old Testament. And in those translations, the word they use that we translate as strength, the word they use is words that we would say wealth or resources. So they would read that command as, love the Lord your God with all your wealth. So that's an intriguing twist. And in the New Testament, in the passage in Mark, where Jesus is talking about this great commandment, the Greek word used there is a different Greek word that refers to strength. And that's kind of where we have the similar idea of physical strength or our abilities. So we have power, wealth, and strength. And in some sense, they are related. As some teachers have put it, these words are related in the sense that the strength of a person is not just who they are, but what they have at their disposal. And this flows quite naturally out of this great commandment that we love God with our everything, with all that we are and all that we have. So I want to take some time to, to consider and just ask, how do we love God with these different aspects? So let's start with, how do we love God with our strength, with our physical bodies? And the New Testament talks about this, referring to our bodies as a temple for God. Asking us to present, them as living present ourselves as living sacrifices to God. So how do we steward our bodies well? How do we care for our bodies and use them to love God and to love others? I'm so thankful that we have people in our church family who are pursuing this in different ways. We have folks who are really focused on their diet and making sure that they're eating healthy foods. And we have people in our community who are very concerned about exercising regularly and practicing discipline in that to making sure that they're trying to keep their bodies healthy. But not only that, they're using that as an avenue to bless others. And I think about the Eagleville House Church and how they realized that in their house church, they had a lot of people who loved to run. They said, oh, how, do we, how do we use that? How might we use that to bless other people? And out of that was born the Soul Harvest 5K that they initiated, that they put lots of effort into starting. And that is used to bring attention to the work of the Norristown Hospitality Center and to raise support for them. So they say, how do we love God with our strength? Well, this is one way we can do it. We love to run. Why, not? Why don't we do that? And I love hearing stories about Doug and his hockey team and how his love for hockey and his ability and his strength to play hockey has allowed him opportunities to build relationships with his teammates and to share the love of Christ with them. And I think about stories of people in our community who have what most of us would perceive as weaknesses or disabilities. 
And they've leaned in and said, how is this going to draw me closer to God? How might God use this to help me love him more? And how might I use this to bless other people? So how do you love God with your physical body, in your strengths, and even in your weaknesses? I'm really glad that we have house churches so I don't have to teach for like two hours. So next week you get to talk more about this. And as Doug was sharing me, one of the root words of sermon is this idea of dialogue. So that's why we love house churches, because we get a chance to unpack this a little bit more and, and share ideas and talk about what does it mean to love God with our physical bodies. And next we have power. How do we love God with our power? And when I think about power, I think about our spheres of influence, those situations or those places where we might have some power to influence other people or influence decisions that are being made. In what spaces do you have power? And what would it look like to love God and others with that power? And our society tells us that we should seek to obtain more power. We should use it for our own benefit. And Jesus warned people about this. In that same chapter in Mark where Jesus lays out this great command, he says, Beware the teachers of religious law. They're seeking to use their status to build themselves up. And in doing so, they devour widows' houses. And elsewhere, he tells his followers, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. They use their power to oppress others. Not so with you. If you want to be my followers, if you want to become great, you must be a servant. Use your power to serve. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So how might you leverage your power to serve others? Especially for the benefit of those who are marginalized or feel they are powerless. What are the situations in your life where you have great power? What are the situations where you feel powerless? Here's the thing about power, though. Even a little bit can have a dramatic effect. Last weekend, some of us were, some of the men, a few of us went up to a cabin in the mountains for a retreat. And there's this beautiful creek running through the mountains, and I couldn't help but think about the power of rocks. And yet, over time, the power of water running over these rocks, eroding them, and it was beautiful. And it was this evidence of power, even a little bit of power over time, having a dramatic effect. If you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, you can think about that image. Or I think about the image of a ship on the ocean. It has great power, but if you change the course of that ship, even just one degree, as it travels thousands of miles across the ocean, 
you have changed the destination of that ship drastically. So even a little bit of power and used to serve and love others can be a strong witness to Christ and his kingdom. So what are the situations where you feel you don't have power? And Tim mentioned this in the story time. For those of you who are feeling powerless, that the promise of Christ comes with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you with power. You will receive power from the Holy Spirit. And if you want to know more about that, hang out with Tim and Cindy. Let them share with you. So how do we love God with all of our power, whether little or big? And from the Aramaic, we see that this passage also has this idea of loving God with all our wealth or all our resources. Doug read some more of Deuteronomy 6 and talked about telling the story over and over again. And what is the story? The story goes like this. You were slaves in Egypt. You had nothing. But I delivered you out of slavery, God says. Then you wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, living in tents and eating the manna and quail that God provided. And now, he says, I'm going to bring you into the promised land where there are flourishing cities you did not build, houses abundantly filled with good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. All that you have is a gift from God. And Doug already talked about the ways in which Renew is seeking to use our finances to bless others. And Doug and Mare and Aaron and myself and our families are so grateful for your giving and the ways in which that supports us and our families. But then we look about the ways that Renew is using that to bless others, to spread it around, to bless daughters, to bless missionaries in India and in the Middle East. Man on Main Street, the Boys and Girls Club, Community Dinner, other people in our community. Giving generously. Giving is an act of gratitude and trust. But this commandment also tells us that sharing our resources is a gift of love. It's not just our money, but our time, our house, our apartment, our vehicle, etc. I loved hearing the stories of people who have received a vehicle because of the generosity of others. And those of you who have received that vehicle, how are you going to use that to bless others? How do we love God with our resources? You know, this love command stands in stark contrast to the message of our world and particularly our American culture. Our culture tells us that we are to seek after strength, to seek power, to accumulate wealth. Now we should use it to get more, and if we get more, we'll be happy. But we are taught through Scripture and specifically by Jesus that these things are gifts provided by God 
And they are not meant merely for ourselves, but rather we are blessed to bless others. We are given strength. We are given power. We are given resources as an opportunity to love God and to bless others. Somebody during our prayer time said, thank you, God, for the opportunities to bless others. So let me give you some time here. We're going to take a little break, uh, maybe three minutes. And maybe it's you need to talk with somebody next to you. You can do that. Or maybe it's just you want to pray and consider. Maybe you want to write some thoughts down. I want you just to spend some time reflecting on how do you love God with all your strength, your physical strength, your power, your resources. So some questions up here for you to consider. I want you to take some time this morning And as I mentioned, those of you who will be in house churches next week, you'll have more opportunities to discuss this. But take some time and reflect this morning. I pray that as you continue to reflect on this and and as you meet in house churches and discuss this, that you'll continue to be prompted with more ideas about how you might love God with your strength. And I recognize that this may sound like a lot, And I've actually been thinking that this part of the love command might actually be the hardest. Seems a little bit easier to love God with my heart and with my mind and even with my soul. But God wants me to love him with all my strength and with all my power and with all my money and resources. Seems like it takes a little bit more of a radical leap of faith and it's going to cost me. Well, the reality is that Jesus warned people that wanted to follow him to count the costs. That discipleship is costly. And this may be hard. It may actually seem impossible. And the reality is that Jesus warned about that too. After his encounter with the rich young ruler, in which he told him to sell everything he had and give to the poor, and the rich young ruler walked away sad. And Jesus said, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And those around him asked, Who then can be saved? To which Jesus responded, What is impossible with people is possible with God. Interestingly, that word possible comes from the same Greek word for power that we talked about earlier. See, I think that despite the seemingly difficult of this command, it's actually good news. Despite the cost, despite the seeming impossibility of it all, it's good news. I mentioned that I wanted to talk about the original Hebrew of the Deuteronomy 6 passage. The word that we in English say strength or might. Well, the Hebrew isn't exactly that. It's actually only translated as strength one other time in the Old Testament. And that verse is actually kind of an echo of this verse. The Hebrew word is meod. 
I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but ma'od is not normally a noun. It's not normally translated as strength. It's normally an adverb, and it's frequently translated as very. As in, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Another adverb for ma'od is exceedingly. So we are to love God with all our very, with all our exceedingly. Interesting thing about very, it's an amplification to love even greater, even more. Interesting thing about exceeding. It means beyond our limitations, beyond our capabilities, beyond our own strength. It's the proverbial 110%. We are to love God beyond our own strength. So why is this good news? Because it's impossible with people. But it is possible with God, with God's power, with God's strength, with God's love. Because God has loved you with all of God's veriness. Out of all God's strength, out of all God's power, God gives us God's very self. In Philippians, we read this good news of Jesus giving up his power as God in love for us. It says, Christ Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus loves you exceedingly with all his veriness, with the strength to endure the cross, to suffer crucifixion, to submit to the powers of evil and sin, to submit to the power of death so that the power of love might triumph in his resurrection so that we might be brought into his kingdom, adopted as God's beloved sons and daughters. He poured out all of his power, all of his strength, all of his love for our sake. What is impossible with people is possible with God. And the reality is that it takes a great deal of strength to love. If you're a parent, you know this. If you've ever been with someone in the midst of deep pain and brokenness, you know this. If you've ever spent a long time with people who frustrate you to no end, you know this. If you've ever tried to befriend someone or care for someone who doesn't even want you around, if you've ever tried to stand up for justice in the face of popular opinion, if you've ever tried to return good for evil, or even just tried to not return evil for evil, If you've ever tried to forgive someone who has deeply wounded you, you know this. 
To love takes a supernatural strength, a strength we do not possess. But over and over in the Old Testament we read, the Lord is my strength. And Jesus said, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit. And the Apostle Paul reminds us, God's power is made perfect in our weakness. And the Apostle John wrote this for us. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We love because he first loved us. We are given the strength to love because God has the strength, the veriness, the exceedingly to love us. We love because Christ first loved us with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his mind, and with all his strength, with all his veriness. Amen.